So what source are we using today, Barbara? Today we are going to pick from a book. Actually, it's not a card. We're picking from a book called Some. It is uh, authored by David Eagleman. And I heard about him on Brené Brown's uh, podcast. So you, you really should go listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it already. So this is Some. And the, the subtitle says, 40 Tales from the Afterlife. So, um, Linda, pick a number between 1 and 40, and then I'll read that chapter. 27. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It's called Prism, page 72. Prism. God resolved at the outset that he wanted every human to participate in the afterlife. But the plans weren't thought out to completion. And immediately, he began to run up against some confusion about age. How old should each person be in the afterlife? Should this grandmother exist here at her age of death? Or should she be allowed to live as a young woman, recognizable to her first lover, but not to her granddaughter? He decided it was unfair to keep people the age they were at the end of their lives when much of their beauty and alacrity, alacrity yeah. had been worn down. Allowing everyone to live as a young adult proved an unviable solution because the afterlife quickly degenerated into unbounded sexual pursuits. And at middle ages, they talked only about their children and mortgages making conversations in the afterlife tedious. God finally landed on an ingenious solution while watching light diffract through a prism. So when you arrive here, you're split into your multiple selves at all possible ages. The you that existed as a single entity is now all ages at once. These pieces of you no longer get older, but remain ageless into perpetuity. The yous have transcended time. This takes some getting used to. The different beams of you run together, sorry, might run into each other at the grocery store, like separate people do in the earth life. Your 76-year-old self may revisit its favorite creek and run into your 11-year-old self. Your 28-year-old self may break up with a lover in a diner and notice your 35-year-old self visiting that spot, lingering on the air of regret, hanging over the empty seat. Typically, the different yous are happy to see each other because they possess the same name and a shared history. But the yous are more critical of yourself than they are of others. And so each of you quickly identifies habits that get under your skin. It's a fact of afterlife. Don't be surprised to discover that after decomposition into your different ages, the different yous tend to drift apart. You discover that the you of eight years old has less in common than expected with the you of 42 and the U of 64. 
the 18-year-old you finds more in common with other 18-year-olds than with your 73-year-old you. The 73-year-old you doesn't mind a bit seeking out meaningful conversations with others of the same generation. Beyond the name, the yous have little else in common. But don't lose hope. The shared resume of life, parents, birthplace, hometown, school years, first kiss, has a magnetic, nostalgic pull. So once in a while, the different yous organize a gathering, like a family reunion, bringing together all your ages into a single room. At these reunions, the middle age will delightfully pitch, pinch the cheeks of the young and the teenagers will politely listen to the stories and advices of the elderly. These reunions reveal a group of individuals touchingly searching for a common theme. They appeal to your name as a unifying structure, but they come to realize that the name that exists on earth, the you that moved serially through these different identities was like a bundle of sticks from different trees. They come to understand with awe the complexity of the compound identity that existed on earth. They conclude with a shudder that the earthly you is utterly lost, unpreserved in the afterlife. You were all these ages, they concede, and you were none. So how does that resonate for you as you read that? Well, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, this book really, every story is a different perspective on the afterlife. Um, so it might, it might help to say, um, you know, there's a little summary in the beginning that says David Eagleman grew up in New Mexico. As an undergraduate, he majored in British and American literature at Rice University before earning his PhD in neuroscience at Baylor College of Medicine. He currently runs a neuroscience research lab where he studies time perception. Synesthesia and how neuroscience will influence the legal system. At night, he writes fiction. <clears throat> so what inspires me about this idea is that we can perceive all ages and stages of our life from whatever vantage point we're in at any given time. And I've done work in my own life where I've written letters to myself. And I've done this in a variety of different ways over my years. And um, it's profound every time. It's profound. And to some degree, I believe that I have always heard 
the wisdom of my inner muse. I don't know if it's a coalition of all of these parts and pieces of me, but I don't really think so. So, so that story kind of just makes me um, reflect on uh, fragmenting in a different way. So when we have trauma and our personalities uh, fragment, or if, if a trauma is such that uh, we, you know, we have PTSD or for whatever reason, suppress the memory or, or whatever, that happened within the trauma. You know, I, I just I just have this sense that um, we can always find our way to an inner uh, wisdom within it all. And knowing the work that you and I do with virtues, it completely makes sense to me that we are all these fragments of us, all these varying degrees of us. I, I don't really see them as fragments. I see them as varying degrees of us, like you know, facets on a diamond, for instance. Um, I just see each one independently as its own whole piece of a bigger tapestry, you know, if you will. And, um, and it really gives me great hope that together in, you know, if I am conscious and um, unifying in, in my inner relationship, if I treat myself and, and all of those facets of me with an equal degree of honor and, and respect that I'm giving to that wisdom then uh, I feel like that's what, that's where healing is. That's where, you know, it doesn't matter that <clears throat> the perpetrator make amends with me as much as it matters that I am able to make amends for myself and, and, and bring myself to a place of understanding and, uh, unity around it, I guess. And, you know, as we know, um, we don't necessarily want to be fixed. We want to be heard and we want to be seen and we want to be acknowledged. And so this to me today, you know, I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a reminder that the prism uh, we are the prism, we are the prism. And if we identify with being fragmented, we will be fragmented and those pieces will be separate. And I think it will, it will be like a journey every time we have to try and find one. But if we see ourselves as united and maybe just disengaged with each other or um, distanced or something like that, then I think the unity is, uh, it's not so much of a stretch to get into a place of 
integration, which in my mind is where all these things come together and I realize that I am the being in the prism. And interesting that you would pick this. I just want to make this final point. Interesting that you picked that particular title. This morning I was doing some writing and um, uh, the photo I chose is a picture of a very colorful um, collection of tangled colored ribbons that come out into a prism of uh, individual lines of color. So, and I really identified with that in terms of all these different facets and layers of um, fidelity. So this all came from a post uh, on 100 virtues for 100 days, which uh, posted the virtue of fidelity. And the question was, you know, how, how are you, how does fidelity feel for you? And um, it hit me like a core wound. And I started writing and I was way too open and out there to hit post. So I cut it out like a copy cut. And I went to my blogger and I started the blog page, episode, edit, whatever you want to call it. And then I just put something about being down a rabbit hole. You know, this takes me down a rabbit hole and there's a lot to see down here. And, but yeah, it's just uh, interesting, the untangling of, of who we are. Yeah. That was a lot to say. Also, yes. So I, I hear your incredible gentle acceptance of the the importance of um, appreciating all the facets of self and um, finding pathways to integrating them all mm. to, to have that acceptance of all of self. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. How about for you? What stood out well, as as you were reading through the processes that he felt we would go through, um, you know that he's writing about that that she would go through in the afterlife in terms of meeting the different memories and different ages and stages of self, and I was like, uh, I, I I don't think you have to wait till the afterlife till that starts. <laughs> so, because <laughs> um, I find myself at this point just out of nowhere memories popping up and people popping up that I haven't thought of or you know they didn't even necessarily have any major uh play place in my you know like they were I, I passed they passed through my life I passed through their life um <clears throat> without any real major connection um and yet it comes up and and uh but i love how how he talks about the uh recognition that 
the younger self is happy with younger people and the teenage mm -hmm. self is happy with teenage people and that the 70 year old is happy with the people of their generation and that not necessarily that happy with you know the the 70 year olds not necessarily that want to spending that much time with the you know six-year-old or whatever and, and vice versa and, yeah. and um and i thought oh that sounds so like um what can happen and yet i also know some people in their 70s who just love and i'm one of them i love being around younger people i still prefer their company to um many people my age um and i i think it's because of the curiosity more openness to exploring um sometimes easier to get through even the teenagers you know that often people in in my generation will always and it's, it's been ever thus it's you know the generation before me and before them and before them will often look at the younger you know teenage kids who are kind of coming into their own going to that next stage of separation from um, adult authority um, and into their own authority will often find it challenging to be with them but I find that if if when you you're in a, a situation where you can actually be with them in something that is of interest to them that it's just amazing to spend that time to be with them in that place where they are able to be creative and share their love of something their interest in something and I find it easier to break through than um, people my age who are fixed in negativity sometimes, which is sad and it's hard and, and um, yeah. So um, and then I have to admit that I am fixed in my ways. So it, it's a I enjoy reading it. I would like to read it again sometime um, to examine it more closely because it really does resonate and it's a good uh, introduction to the rest of the book. Um, it's funny. I don't know why I chose 27 until after you said something about you know, that number and then I thought, oh yeah, two and seven is nine, three times nine is 27, like numerically. There's all sorts of stuff. And then to have it be the prison number, which of course that has to do with threes too, I gather, um, mathematically. And then it made me think of um, how I have these crystals hanging in my windows now and um, the sunlight when it comes through in the afternoon, I have these prisms, you know, the colors on my wall in different places and how much I enjoy that and and so the prism and it makes me think of the kaleidoscope and um, just the beauty that comes from all the different facets and then if you think of each of us as individuals all being these different prisms with the light shining through us um, from different angles and different places and reflecting the different aspects and 
And, you know, if we're challenged to integrate self, all the aspects of self, um, it makes it quite understandable why we sometimes find it so challenging to, to come together in unity um, with all these different flashes, you know, prisons flashing their light and their colors. And, and uh, I don't know, it makes me think of the old disco ball thing happening. <laughs> Or, um, yeah, some of those old uh, light shows and things. So it's, uh, yeah, it could be very disorienting and, and, and uh, very taking a lot of uh, letting go of one's own control issues to be able to appreciate the beauty in the flashing and the clashing of, of uh, prism things as they cross and integrate uh, between people as well as within people. So, yeah, fun. <laughs> I love your optimism and the ability to be able to sort of look across the spans of your life and sum it up in a way that pulls it together that makes sense in the now. Um, yeah. And just, I, I appreciate so much your, um, just the ability to, you know, dive deep into these little rabbit holes with me and, um, and, and go mining for the gems. It's just, it's a beautiful copacetic relationship that we have here and I, I, um, I love your sensitivity to what's really going on 